We are live. Stay tuned, stay tuned, stay tuned. I'm here with the coach, John Brent. Man, I'm here with the vet and a couple of Pittsburgh fellas. But first, there's Mr. Vet and Mr. Ian Griffin right there. What is going on, Coach? What's going on? Man, it's been great. I, I'm I, always I happy to smile when I see Alan Bailey. It, we got Alan Bailey tonight. And we got Juan Garcia tonight. Freaking class of 87 is in here in three quarters of the house. I can tell you that right now. And uh, it's been a great week. Yeah, y'all old. Uh, That's what that is. Uh, hey, 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 now. It's been a great week. Uh, got my car kind of going. Got my got to go to a concert, see 7,000 fans excited about rock and roll, not wearing a mask, loving life. And then now we got Alan Bailey and Juan Garcia on tonight. So what do you think about that, Coach? Man, I'm telling you what, it's great. Got a bunch of Pittsburgh folks in the house, so uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to love this one. Now, down here below me is Mr. Juan Garcia, Pittsburgh Pirate himself. It's finally glad to have him on. He's one of our first fans. Tell me what's been going on, Juan. Man, I want one thing, man. I'm blessed. I'm blessed to be here. I'm, I'm blessed to have come to Pittsburgh, to have gone to school in Pittsburgh. Um, yeah, and I'm just glad to be a part of uh, this, this talk show, you know. Very glad and glad to see you guys. So. Yes, sir. That's a blessing. But that's what's been going on, y'all. Awesome. How y'all been? Alan, hope, how you been? I've been doing good. I hope. Does Ian have a picture? I do not tonight. I don't have pictures tonight. Wow. First time I don't for have pictures tonight. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I tried to coordinate and get a, a picture of Alan in his birthday suit, but I, I couldn't I couldn't get that all the way through. So, but. It is what it is. So. Hey, we'd have been in Facebook jail if we didn't. 1987 birthday suit or 2021? Hey, we want to go 87. We don't want to go 21. <laughs> I'm with you, Alan. I'm with you on that one. And, of course, Coach, you know we got Alan Bailey here. So, Alan, what's going on in Central Texas, man? I don't know about y'all up there. But man, it's about 97 to 98 every day with a – Heat index was about 105, 106. Man, I'm out there sweating like I'm build, building the pyramids. Man, it's horrible out there. Uh, but, okay. hey, other than that, hey, I'm always glad to be here, even if it's only a 45-minute notice. But, hey, I love being here. The Sandman has arrived. <laughs> we, we have our That's relief right. picture tonight. We're going to start. Yeah, I got, I got a last-minute notice, and, and some, some issues came up, so uh, – I reached out to the great Alan Bailey. Well, I have a suggestion. What's that? I'm suggesting is we're going to change the name to the coach and the two vets. That's what we're about to change it to. I'm okay <laughs> with that. We just got to figure out how to do all the other crap, like the logo and shit with that. So, <laughs> I'll just put a Sharpie on it. Put an S on it. There you go. Put a two. Man, yeah. so we got a good all crew right. tonight, Coach. Well, we do, and I've got some interesting topics. I want to start out with, first and foremost, we got COVID going on. Kind of thought it was kind of closing down a little bit, then the Delta variant hit. Um, 
I think last week we talked about I've been on the fence for so long with uh, the vaccine. And I know you guys or you uh, Ian, had gotten your vaccine pretty early on. My wife and I were talking on the way back. I guess it was from church to the day. I said, you know, it's not really that unusual for um, the uh, people in the military to get vaccines. No matter where they go, they always take some vaccines to go here. You got to take certain shots to go there. So I, I, I was kind of thinking that along that line. I was like, you know what? Not to get off the subject, but someone that's been in the military or that's a vet that's out of the military now, it's probably not that weird for somebody to say we need to take a vaccine for something as it is for the public that's never been made to, to, to take a vaccine, which I never really thought about it that way. But going a little bit further and you can reach out, either one of y'all can reach out on that when you do talk. But I want to start this off with uh, asking Alan about this. We got this seems like there's this ongoing feud that we have between the president of the United States with his, you know, half in, half out self half the time against the Florida governor DeSantis and Texas governor Abbott on how they're handling the pandemic and how it seems like those guys are trying to be more of a freedom type, uh, you know, governor. And the president of the United States is right on the cusp of being, you know, let's take away your freedom so we can handle this pandemic. So I don't want to know what you think about that feud that's going on and what you think about, about what's, what that's all about. Yeah, needless to say, I did a crash course on both of these topics here real quick this evening. But I really think it's, from what I've read, I think the president is scared of the two governors. I think he thinks those are going to be his two big candidates maybe here in a couple of years. And he's got to do whatever he can do to make them two cats look bad. And Florida and Texas really – are really showing them that hey, we don't need those masks, and and I and I think I told Ian this the other day. We're only wearing these masks to please people, because I'm gonna tell you. I mean, I despise it. I got the shot. I ain't got a problem with telling you I got the shots. Like you said, Brent, I, I was in the army for 25 years. They said, hey, go get in that line and get that shot. That's what line I went and got in. It wasn't no if ands or buts. You went and got in. So I think the the president got too many people saying we need. Uh, this, we need the mask back. We need to lock things back down. And Florida and Texas don't want to play that game because we've already proven. I mean, we were the first first state to have 100% capacity at baseball games. And I've been to two of them. And I hadn't came back with COVID. So, and I mean, there wasn't no spacing out. They did have COVID sections. If you were worried about catching it, they had sections. But the sections I sat in, left and right, you had people behind you, front of you. And we didn't even wear the mask the second ball game. You didn't have to have the mask on. So I think that's the big thing. I think it's the fact that the president's got to figure out we got to make these two governors look bad because they're going to push at us come uh, uh, election time. Well, I think you're right about that, Alan. That's one of the things that I thought about is if you think about the elections over the last, uh, you know, say 20, 25 years, Florida has come down to being so important in the elections. And even one that we had, whoever won Florida won the thing won the whole thing. So I think with DeSantis's stock rising down there, they thought they were getting real close to taking Florida in the national election. I think that's going to be something that if DeSantos does run, not only is he going to take Florida, he's going to take a lot of the South. I never really thought about Abbott until the last six months running for president of the United States, but Texas has been a red state lately. It's been closer to being a, a, what they want to call a purple state, but it's still a red state. And if you take Abbott, 
and someone like DeSantis jumps on board with Abbott and endorses him, and that whole South stays down there, red, Biden and the Democrats or Kamala Harris, whoever, is going to have a problem winning the next election if that happens. So I think you're right, Alan. When I first thought about this topic, I didn't think about it that way. I just thought about him putting his ideology about the mask against, you know, the ideology of freedom that they show down there. But Juan, what do you think about, you know, a presidential issue or do you think it, you know, it's just a personal issue that, you know, different ideologies that maybe a Democrat has over, you know, Republican? Well, uh, I, I do agree with Alan because um, uh, uh, Dade County has uh, shown up to vote. Uh, I used to live in Dade County back in the mid-90s. Uh, that's where my kids were born. And uh, there are a lot of Cuban-Americans down there. And I have spoken with some Cuban-Americans here in Mount Pleasant. And they, you know, they they say, how can we as a country allow those things to happen that all just a certain few are going to decide what's going to happen to us? It's kind of like what's happening in Cuba. You know, they kind of say, well, you know, we want to be free to elect whatever we want. And here in Texas, we elect to be free. You know, we want to go to work and uh, make our own um, uh, our own money, not depend on the government to give us handouts uh, and to, to just to stay home. You know, and uh, I believe that uh, uh you know, as far as this, uh, um, the president, uh, he is kind of like, oh, man, I'm going to have to shut these guys down right now, kind of make them look foolish. But in actuality, he would be shutting shutting himself down because, uh, man, we're, we're really, if we really pay attention, he really a whole lot of times don't make a whole lot of sense. And, and on certain things, uh, people have to really answer for him. And these guys, I mean, uh, Governor Abbott and the governor from um, from uh, Florida, these guys are, you know, they know their stuff. And, uh, you know, these guys believe that their states can be afloat. And I know we we can. We have proven that, you know. So um, um, I think that. uh I haven't been vaccinated, guys. I, I have not. Uh, I had COVID a year ago. And I guess uh, my body got, uh, I've not been on the fence here lately, you know, of getting the, the vaccine. But um, once again, it's, it's just like, look, man, if it's my time, this is the way I see it. If it's my time, I believe that God is in control of all. And that uh, he's going to take me whether it's with or without it, you know. So um, I'm, I've been, uh, you know, just asking, you know, like when I pray for guidance, you know, where should I go? You know, and uh, uh, I've been talking to my son about it. You know, he just recently got his. We were sick together one year ago. And here in my house, my, my daughter is a an RN. She, she works in Longview and my, my wife is a first grade school teacher uh, in Mount Pleasant and they haven't gotten sick. They got, uh, my wife got the vaccine, but my daughter hasn't because of some uh, medical issues that she has, but um, she has that 
her doctor uh, uh, does has not allowed her to just yet to do that, you know. But um, uh, I'm still on the fence about it to get the shot. And as far as the uh, uh, you know, with Biden wanting to do these things to uh, uh, to these uh, governors, uh, I think he would be shooting shooting himself on the foot. Because uh, that would give more, uh, it, it would give, I guess, the, the South a little bit more like, hey, man, this guy right here ain't right. I mean, if we really pay attention to it, you know, there are some people that just all oh, just because. I know it's me. Oh, you know, and, and, and that's that's yeah. pretty much my my view on that, you know. But um, well, besides real quick, before that, I kick it over to the vet. Go ahead. Uh, no, it, like I said, it's it's just going to come down to uh, maybe uh, the vice president. Also, you never know. She might end up, you know, uh, becoming the first uh, female president. She ain't black. I'm sorry, but sure. she ain't black. <laughs> That's just my opinion. Well, what a, uh, before know. I send this over to the vet, I do want to comment two things. Number one, the war words that came up is, of course, you know, a few months ago, vet. Uh, you know, uh, Biden called what he called it Neanderthal thinking of, of the Texas governor in Texas with with the you know, mass stuff. And then just recently, and they asked him four or five days ago when they were asking about DeSantis, he said, governor, who like like who 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 is who is DeSantis? Like he doesn't know. But the last thing I want to say before I kick it over is, Juan, I have I'm exactly where you are. Uh, until recently, no one in my house had been vaccinated at all. And I've been talking to the vet about maybe finally I come around and do it. My wife's had it twice. I've had it once. No one else in my family has had it. On Monday, my youngest daughter, 17, got the vaccine. And today, my disabled son that's 24 got the vaccine. And I don't know if I told the vet this, but I'm scheduled for Thursday to, to take the vaccine. So, um, and I'm not doing it for political reason. I wasn't. I think in the beginning, I was just like, wow, this is too fast. I don't know what's going on. FDA is not approving it. But now more and more people have it. And, you know, like I said, I've had the COVID. And I think for six or eight months, the study that I read showed that I was pretty much immune. But with these new variants and things like that, I was just really worried about my young, youngest kid and the one that has some health issues uh, not being protected as best they could. And then I started thinking, well, you know what? If I'm okay with them getting it, why in the hell don't I get it? So I understand why and where you're coming from. Believe me. Uh, Bet, what do you think about this governor thing with the president? I want to really know what you think about this, because I think the war words is going to get worse closer to the elections, even the midterms. So I got a couple of things here, Coach, and uh, I'm going to hit some other questions you had earlier. But first of all, the war, war, war of words. He's only targeted Governor Abbott who has showed him up at the border. He has flat out showed him up. He showed him how to run a border because he doesn't know how to. And uh, so he has to show him up and he's targeted DeSantis. He may not call him by name. He may call him Neanderthal in Texas, or he may call him who, but trust me, if he runs for president again, he's going to know who DeSantis is because DeSantis is going to be running all over him. The The democratic party has a dilemma here with they're going to, that. They cannot back away from either Biden or Harris. They can't because you can't back. You just can't. And uh, so they're stuck with who they have. So what can they do is they got to chip away. 
My deal is, is this, let the governors gripe. But if you're the president, you're above that. That's like the two-star general of a division worrying about squad crap. He's above that. He gets his hands away from that crap, you know? So that's the first thing. Now, it's not just Abbott and it's not just DeSantis, but out of Biden's mouth, that's all it's really been. But you have the Arkansas governor, Hutchinson, who has a no-mask mandate, although he Biden has come out and said, I'm glad that he's changed his mind, which other Republicans would, trying to put that divide there. You also have the Iowa governor, Kim Reynolds. He hasn't mentioned her one damn bit. You also had the Montana governor. You had the South Carolina governor. You had the Tennessee governor. He hasn't mentioned them because they're not a political threat to him. The political threat is Governor Abbott, and the political threat is Governor DeSantis. So th that's my first part of this. And, and as a president, he should be above this. The second thing you asked, you asked originally, you know, the vets, you know, we've, we've had shots in the military, but most of them have been FDA approved. Secretary of Defense Austin come out and said by mid-September, all DOD members need to have the shots. Well, this is my deal on this. And Don McCush sent me a note on this. And I read it. And it was a great article about a Marine complaining about a general officer because they're pushing the vaccine when the Department of Defense has 2 million people in it. And over the COVID, they've only had 26 deaths. So that's like a 0. 0.00013 or some bull crap. Chances. So we're pushing this vaccine when shouldn't we be more focused on kicking the enemy's ass? Shouldn't we be more focused on maybe suicides? But thanks for that answer. And Alan, I'll relate it like this. Hey, we're going to war. We go to Iraq. And the first thing that we want to do more than get our ammunition is let's go do police call around the freaking God dang fob. That's exactly what that shit is, is let's go do police call in a war zone on the fob, around the fob, outside the fob, instead of drawing ammunition when you're there to go kill the enemy. And, that, and to me, that's what that is right there. Now, pushing further on this, I think that the, the president is leaning toward a mass mandate. You know, he's trying his best to weasel that in because it gives him power and it gives him the mother may I thing. And uh, and we all know the Democrats like that government power. Coach, I will say this is just today they showed on the news the president discussing about uh, Governor DeSantis. And what he discussed, Governor DeSantis came out because there's one school, major school district, I think it's in Miami, came out and said they're going to have, the, have them wear masks. And Governor DeSantis says, no, that's not for government officials to make the decision. That is for parents to make the decision on how they feel if their child should have the mask or not. He said, and he's not getting away of that. Well, Biden tried to flip the script on him by saying, oh, well, you've come on and you're pulling the power away from the local government officials. No, he's not pulling the power. He's allowing the power to stay with the family members and the parents and the individuals is what he's allowing to do and not a government entity to override it. But you see how the choice of words were. Let me let me garner my Democratic support by saying he's taking power away from the government. That's what he, he tried to throw out there. So that's my thoughts, Coach. Thoughts, and sooner or later, this is going to have to be a, a, a court get involved with this. Does the governor have that decision-making? Does the local government have that decision-making? 
uh, just kind of when you were talking about that, it made me think about when we had parents trying to allow their kids to not be on ventilators and pass away or, or does the, the hospital make that decision? And then the state get involved and the courts get involved and say, no, you have to leave this person on a ventilator. Or you have, you know, letting it be a medical decision sooner or later, we, we have to become a country where are we going to allow our families to make these decisions? Or are we going to allow our government to make these decisions? And once we pass that line of the government, which we are already doing that on so many other things, then we're losing not only our liberties and freedoms, but we're allowing the government to control us, to tell us what to do across the board, which pushes us up to a, an ideology of a socialist like Marxist type ideology going forward. It's, it's, it's kind of scary for that. Uh, I want to answer one question of why, because I'm a history teacher. You said something about, or maybe it was you vet. I don't remember which one said, you know, it's going to be Biden or, or Harris that they have to decide in. Yeah. In the last 240 years, we've only had four different times that the person that was president before the party did not nominate again to be president. Only two of those were actually elected president. The other two were presidents that came in office because of assassinations. But the last time that even happened was 1884. It ain't going to happen now. So it's either going to be Biden if he's alive or it's going to be Harris if he decides to step down and that's it. And it, I tell you what, if either one of those run against DeSantis, the way he keeps going, it's going to be a problem for the democratic party. Yeah, yeah it is because right now, to be honest, he's he's a breath of fresh air of common sense. And uh, he's not asking nothing radical. He's not asking nothing extreme. What he's asking is, you be the adult, you make the decision what's best for you, and we're going to respect you for it because that's what we do in America. That's what he's doing right now. Whereas the other party has been like, well, I know hey, that's Alan, what you, you didn't get the shot. We're mad at your ass. You're killing people. Who are you? That's what the other party's doing, you know? So go ahead, coach. Yeah, because what you're hearing across the what you're hearing across the board is you're right, is if you're unvaccinated, you're the one that are killing these people and you're the ones that are putting these people in the hospital and only you are the one that's dying. And these people that are vaccinated, that's what you're hearing at first, are having to wear their mask to protect you, your unvaccinated people. And then now we start seeing that people are vaccinated getting COVID and they're not dying as much as the unvaccinated is, but that's the, the new thing that you get is you got to put, you got to keep the pressure on the unvaccinated. So we have the guilt and shame and feel like we're the problem and the bullies on the left keep doing it. And DeSantis and Abbott decided they're not going to be bullied. And I kind of like that. And coach, I'll just throw this out here. You know, DeSantis is doing this down there. What is the difference in DeSantis doing this than the former president having a party of 500 people? Dance on that dance floor with no mask, dog. Uh, I mean, go get your jinky on. I don't care. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but Jesus, what is the difference? Oh, I know what the difference is. It's because we like him and because he's our party and because we like him, it's okay. Because we've proven that over this last year. If we like your cause, it's okay not to wear the mask. You know, what is it with Tlaib? If we like you, it's okay. But because we don't like you, you have common sense and you're smarter than us, to be honest. We just, we can't handle that. And I'm going to kick this over to Alan if you have anything to say, but you have to, you know, have to, you're so right about that. If it's Obama, it's okay. If it's Trump, it's a super spreader. If it's Lollapalooza and 400,000 people, it's a very liberal concert. That's a good thing. But if it's Sturgis, it's a bad thing. You're spreading everything. It's the same. It's the ideology of if you're on the left, you're the good and you care about people, no matter if you're walking in the street protesting when George Floyd passed. 
and people are out there in hundreds of thousands. And then you have people at a 70,000 people at a Trump rally and they are having a super spreader event. It's. Yeah, I, th I think we got all these shots that we don't we got we got them in these this warehouse and these storage units. The government had them all made up and now we're stuck with them. Hey, we got to bully everybody into getting these shots. So let's force folks getting the mask. Maybe we make the people that got shots get back in their mask. They'll bully the ones that didn't get their shot into getting the shot. I'm going to honestly tell you, I don't care if you get it or don't get it. Like I, I think Ian said the other day, if Ian didn't have the shot and I had the shot and I come to Pittsburgh, we're going to still eat hot links together and we'll still have a cold beer in the evening if that's what we want to do. I don't really care. It's your decision. I, ain't that why we wanted to be adults anyway? Is so we can make our own mind up. So let us do that. Let us do that. Now you talked about uh, they want the DOD across the board shots by September. So my question is, Ian, you are a little higher up than I was. Uh, what's going to happen when them soldiers refuse that shot? Yeah, it's going to be ugly because I have a feeling that this will be a case that will be documented in the military. You, every now and then, we, we have a few cases that, that come up that are going to be, uh-oh, we got an issue here. We got a we got a, a congressional issue here. Probably a good example is, is remember when we were downrange, you couldn't have sex downrange, you know. Then all of a sudden they go, that's your God-given right. Uh, we can't stop you from doing that. And then it came back like backtrack. Uh-oh, uh-oh. You're going to have one of them. And, you know, uh, they're going to push to the court-martial and everything else. And legal's going to get involved. And somebody's going to hire a high-powered lawyer that's going to take it to Supreme Court. And then we're going to go, uh-oh, especially when it's not approved by the FDA. You know, and now if it's approved by the FDA, soldier like it, you know, we'd chapter them out most likely after that, not being compliant, not being readiness. But they're going to have an issue here, and somebody is going to do it. We just don't know who. Go ahead, Alan. And 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 it'll become a political thing where somebody's going to say, "Oh, this is my chance to make a point yeah. about them making me take this shot." I can make it. Uh, it's the trend. It could become a racial thing. Oh, they're making me get it. And I don't feel <sighs> yeah. I should have to. Or you know, it's going to affect my mental wellness. Uh, anything. It'll, that's what it's going to be. It's going to be that one person that's a little smart, and they're going to say, nope, not doing it. And like you said, they're going to go find some high-power lawyer that'll take on the army, the military, uh, and to make a, a make a stand and make a point for themselves. And, and, Alan, I'm just going to say this. As you and I have both been in, how much was HIPAA stressed in the Army? You know, I, I know at Fort Lee that you have, you're supposed to wear masks if you've been vaccinated, but they can't ask you at Fort Lee if you've been vaccinated because it's a HIPAA violation, you know? So you're going down a road that we don't even want to go down when maybe we just need the military to be Mr. Billy badass on the block and go train to go kick a lot of people's asses at simultaneously is what we need them to do. Well, I do want to, I do want to say this, that you, you spoke about HIPAA and this is something I was thinking about driving, driving to work this morning is sooner or later, because on one of the, the stations, it was talking about, should we, uh, should parents know which teachers are vaccinated or not was the question that they were talking about on the radio. And I started thinking, wait a minute, that's a HIPAA violation. You can't just do that. 
But if the government, federal government says that that's something that they must do, that you must show it to go into a restaurant or show it to go to a, a ball game or show it to go to school, how's that not a HIPAA violation? Well, Coach, I'm going to say this, and I'm going to refer back to Alan's point. It, it is a HIPAA violation, and it's none of our damn business at the end of the day, okay? It is none of our business. It is that person's business. But, Alan, I'm going to say this is, thank you. We talk about the head case coming in, but think about the dilemma that you're putting all those junior leaders in that are going to have the friction that some of these junior leaders are going to come in order to get it across because they got so much dissension in the ranks. They're going to, it's going to come off as they're toxic. And we're going to have a lot of people that are leaders. They're going to fall down that toxicity side that are going to lose their careers over this bullshit decision they can't even really be forced if somebody takes it to law at the end of the day. And we just piss on those careers. We don't care. They were pretty good leaders before, but put them in a position we should never put them in, you know? So. I agree. Well, I think that we'd be to go on to our advertisement and get on to the next topic, but I really, really could talk about this all night. I know coach. All right. So I'm going to throw it out here. Come visit us on the coaching the vet. Come look at some of our stuff we got here. Alan Bailey's got one of these hats. He looks better than I do in it, to be honest with you. Uh, but you can find us on thecoachandthevet.com. It's our webpage. And on our webpage, we also have all our podcasts and we have all our write-ups. So come visit us. It supports us. It helps pay for what we do. And, uh, and that way we can keep it running. So with that, Coach, I'm going to start off the next topic. We're going to talk a little bit about that forbidden word in the White House, immigration. You know, they, they don't want to act like it exists. We're going to talk about that. But to start it off, before I get everybody's thoughts on it, I'm going to throw it over to Juan because he's got a heck of a story on how he came to America. And I just want you to tell it to us, Juan, give you a couple minutes to knock that out. So go ahead, Juan. Okay. Um, well, in, uh, in 1977, I think it was, I'm not correct. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, uh, my dad uh, was uh, brought here to Houston, um, and he from a company, some oil company, uh, decided to bring him here. And we were in Guatemala at the time. Uh, my mom and my five, there was five of us, and um, you know, of course, my dad asked if he could bring his family later down uh and of course they got my dad uh, uh work permit in the whole nine yards and back and, and during that time that wasn't you know it wasn't too uh too rigorous as uh like it is today uh then uh he applied for us to come and we came here the legal way um anyway the five of us uh migrated you know the five children we came in with with my mom and dad um, but we always kept going back. We went, my mom went and sold our house down there and we stayed here in Pittsburgh. And, uh, anyway, we went to school here. Um, uh, but, um, we went through a very rigorous, uh, background check. Uh, we had to, uh, go through all the steps, pay all the, the fees. Uh, we had to, um, you know, everybody had to get fingerprinted uh, for anything, you know, and um, 
my dad had to go for everything, my mom, my brothers, and myself. And, um, uh, you know, and, and whenever uh, I would hear people complain about, man, why, why don't they just give us this? Dude, you ain't paid your dues, really. Uh, you didn't come here legally. You, you just jumped. You know, you pay somebody else. You know, you got to do the right, do the right thing. That was one thing my father-in-law always told me is, uh, Juan, uh, even if it hurts you, but we got to do the right thing. And, but there's some people that just want to jump, um, you know, all the steps that we got to be done, uh, that got to be done to become a U.S. citizen. And believe me, that's a very proud moment. Uh, it's a very one of those things that you really when you sit there and and you're you have that American flag right in front of you and and with your right hand, you're, you're waving it uh, and you go like, wow, man, it's it's finally here. You know, it's it's one of those dreams that comes true. Uh, and, um, um, you know, we we went uh, I went and lived all over, you know, the the country. I moved from Pittsburgh. We moved to uh, McKinney. And from there, that's where I graduated. And then um, I went to live right uh, after, at the end of 87, I went to live in Los Angeles. Uh, and then I, from there, I moved to Florida. Chasing work, you know, always working with my brother. Um, and then uh, we moved to, to New York. Uh, in Florida, that's where I met my wife, and um, and my kids were born. Uh, and then we moved to New York, but because my, my brother always said, "Man, if you can make it in in New York, in New York, you can make it anywhere." And you know, but I was missing home, and that's why I came back to Pittsburgh because I missed home. I really missed being in Pittsburgh and with my parents and my kids growing up. You know, like the way we did. And I say we did because that's, you know, I went uh, middle school and some part of my high school, I went in Pittsburgh. Um, and I, you know, I was so proud of all the guys whenever I started coming back home. And, and you know, I went to Brookshire's where the old Brookshire's was over here where Smith's Furniture is now. And I used to see all the names of all the, the guys that were in Iraq, you know, and I would say, wow, man, Alan Bailey's over there, you know, or uh, Ian's over there, uh, Paul Hawkins, uh, you know, some of the guys that I remembered, you know, that I, I remember now, but Juan, I'm going to tell you, Alan didn't come see me one damn time in Iraq. I don't know what that was about, <laughs> <laughs> but, but I got a question for you, Juan, here real quick is I want to ask you, what was it? What was the environment like in Guatemala when you left? That's what, that's what I want to talk about. Oh, real quick. Wow, man. Um, hear that. actually it was, it was, uh, uh, it was a war. There was a war, and you know, I, uh, uh, I was in like, uh, like in sixth grade, and there was war going on behind the school where I was, and I had to leave, uh, you know, pretty much like on on the ground, because the 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 army, the Guatemalan army, was fighting uh, guerrillas behind the, the the school, and I had to jump, man. I had to leave because I didn't want to be a casualty, you know. Uh, and when I got home, I told my mom I, and, and my brothers, two of my brothers um, had to leave in the same way, you know, from school 
because back then, you know, uh, they were trying to uh, get the young people, the I guess the communists were trying to get the young people to believe like them. And they were just using that for bait, man. You know, just they were using young people just to get, you know, to bully their way in. But that's how it was, man. It was it was war, man. And, and it Kinda was like what we got going on today. I mean, but see, now it's a little bit different because now it's the the MS-13 and all those gangs. Those are the ones that really rule the country. Them guys are the ones that, you know, uh, bribe right. the, the the government uh, guys that run those countries. You know, it's it's all about that money. man. It's, it's uh, yeah, I know. And, I, and you're doing a little bit of study from South America. The same thing was going on in, in, in Colombia with, you know, the Medellin cartel, same thing going on in Mexico, same thing going on in Guatemala. I mean, there's cartels. The drug people are running a lot of those countries, especially the borders that are going between these two countries, more than the military and the government can even handle. And, you know, people want to come to the United States of America. Man, we want you here. We want you here. But you telling your story lets so many people know you came from a war bent country, but you still your family did it the right way. And you know what? That's one of the exactly. things that frustrates exactly. people. Like, you, can, you can't just come to the border and come over here and get COVID positive, go to a Whataburger and jump in line. I hate to say it that way because I was reading that article about that. I don't know if you heard about that Hidalgo County issue that was going on down there where they were letting people over the border. I'll have to tell that later. But they were COVID positive. People are like, why are they in Whataburger? They were, they were sitting in Whataburger. But one, the way you and your family did it is what most Americans want. We want everybody here exactly. to come here legally. We have a pathway. It's not easy. But you said something key. You had to pay to be an American citizen. But you said those people paid the wrong people. And see, yeah. they're paying. Yeah. They're just paying the wrong people to get here. And you know what? The Take your time. Do it the right way and pay the right people. So, yeah, exactly. So what, yeah. uh, what I got is, you know, is I hold immigration dearly. Uh, when I worked very young in age, I worked with a lot of people who crossed the border illegally, you know, and they paid coyotes to get them up and uh, get them across, get them across. And, but I respected those individuals because they, they sacrificed a lot for their families is what they were doing, you know, trying to take care of the families. And then when I came in the military and I met my wife, my wife was an immigrant as well. She just came from across the other, across the Atlantic ocean. And, uh, and she's serving our country and was not a citizen yet. And it took a while. And I remember what it took. And it was no joke. It was a diligent process. Now, one thing I'm going to ask, I'm going to ask you one real quick, and then I'm going to throw it over to Alan, is um, on our immigration process, what's the one thing that you think that we could do to fix it? What can we do to fix the immigration process in the United States of America? Because I can tell you right now, there's 500 and how many congressmen, sure the hell don't know, and there's a hundred senators that don't know. And the dude that sits there and eats ice cream, it doesn't even remember who's talking to him. Sure. They all don't know. And nor does his secretary or, or vice president, whatever you want to call her. She don't know. So what would you do to fix the immigration problem? Uh, first of all, just, I would say expedite it just a little bit faster. I'm not saying not be thorough, be thorough. But if someone shows any type of signs like they've had a little bit of trouble in some things and 
uh, or, or uh, has been in trouble here in the in the United States because that's one one key thing. If you are going to be one of those bad apples that are going to hurt people and, and are going to be dependent on the government, no man, we need you here to work to be right, to do right, uh, and and to contri- contribute to our country. And and, and if they can just uh, you know just expedite it, man, because. Man, there's uh, there's so many people that are stuck behind the lines that are still waiting after 20 years, man, and 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 they're trying to do it the right way, but man, they just get stuck further and further behind from those guys that are coming in in those in those caravans from Honduras, El Salvador, and man, they tear up anywhere and everything that they go through. They tear the place up. Even Mexicans don't want them. They say, man, if you don't like it here, go back. And that's the Mexicans saying that, you know. So I'm just saying, just expedite it. Expedite the things. I'm going to say this, and I'm going to throw it over to Alan. And Alan can relate to this. When I was a younger soldier, you would turn in paperwork. And you turn in paperwork, and everybody would tell you it's sitting on the first sergeant's desk for two weeks. I made a rule when I became a first sergeant that if it came to my desk, it would be gone that day, no matter what. That when I went home, it was gone. Nothing sat on my desk more than 24 hours. And I don't know why we can't have policies like that. And we have so many gadgets and widgets to help us move things faster nowadays. That why mm-hmm. is it cumbersome? Why is it eight years? Why is it six years? Why is it nine years? Whatever. I don't understand that. Because we live in the information age that we should be able to expedite all this. I understand exactly. background checks. Those things there yes. take some time. Okay, but everything else does it. Okay, so I'm throwing it over to that retired first sergeant, first sergeant Alan Bailey there, and let him kick it off. Go ahead, Alan. I'm glad because Brent pointed out a while ago that me and you're old, and I was about to forget what I was going to talk about. But but what I'm gonna say is one, hey man, hats off to the way y'all your family did it. And I'm gonna tell you what's really sad is, you know, we just had the Olympics. And, you know, we got folks that go and represent our country. But as soon as they come, you know, they're American, America, America. But as soon as they come back to America, oh, it's the worst place in the world. But yet I have soldiers that come and join, come to the United States, join the military, go to combat to die for a country they're not even a citizen of yet, just so they can become a citizen. So we can't be too bad. You, the, what really needs to happen is all these folks that think this is such a god-awful country, Go spend about a day in Afghanistan or Iraq or in any third world country. I, I had a lot of soldiers that were from, from Africa. And a lot of them guys, man, could not wait to become U.S. citizens. That's all they would talk about. I said, dude, we got to get ready to go to combat. You, I understand that's important, but we, we got to get ready to go to combat. We're going to get you taken care of, though. But that was that's, that's one thing. It's just we got people to come fight for our country that's not even a citizen in our country. That tells you how much better we have really got it. And the second thing was, in, we were talking about speeding up the process. It seemed like we could get somebody cleared to come on our fob in Iraq faster than we can get somebody to come to the United States that's trying to do it the right way. And all we did was a fingerprint and a picture. And man, we'd have that cat cleared in a week and he was ready to come work on the fob. So you can't make me explain. A dude who walks up to the gate or wherever in between us and Mexico Hey, if you got tattoos all over your face, yeah, we might want to really check him a little, real, real hard. Exactly. But we got the we got the equipment. 
I've held yeah. the equipment in Iraq that you can stick it up there and take the picture and yeah. it goes into the system. Look at their eyes, the biometrics. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. The biometrics is not something new. I mean, it's been around for at least 12, 15 years that you and I have used it, you know, and uh, we like, yep. Oh, hey, let's get him over here. He's the bad guy. We're about to take care of him. Yep. You can go. You can go. You can go. As soon as you see the eyes, you know. And uh, so, okay. What do you got, coach, on that? Well, the last thing I want to say on this is it's very simple. As one uh, point out, we want to vet people. I mean, that's what we want to do. And Alan's right. We can vet people a whole lot faster. I mean, I guarantee if you put these four guys right here to room and say, we got to figure out a, a plan to, to get people here. I guarantee it's going to be a whole lot easier process. It's going to be a faster process. And it's probably going to be a more thorough process because politics would be out of it. And that's the problem that you have with this is politics have gotten involved in it. Because if just because somebody's got – you know, tattoos all their face. Well, that doesn't mean they're a bad guy. Well, it doesn't mean they're a good guy either. So you should just send them over. And when, you know, Trump was, you know, said, you know, those hateful things that they say, he said that, you know, Mexico isn't sending their best people here. No, Mexico isn't sending no one here. People are fleeing Mexico through the coyotes and they're not bringing the best people over here. They want to bring whoever will pay 10 grand to get over here. They don't care who the hell it is. And you've got these ACLU lawyers and people down there lawyering people that, that are just, you know, getting them over here no matter what. And then eight or nine or 10 or 12 months later, there's a court hearing that they're supposed to show up at. And if they don't, we don't issue an effing work for them. So, I mean, you got a system that's not only broke, but they know that it's broken so bad. They're just coming over in droves because there's nothing we can do about it because we don't have a freaking plan. We don't have a border. We don't have a fence and we don't have a plan. So pretty much what you have is an open border. So coach, what, one thing I'll say is my last job I had when I worked at TACOM, Tank Automotive Armaments Command, I would go in and I would ask the question, okay, so what's the process of this? And I would get a lot of people shutting up because they didn't want to tell me the process. Why didn't they want to tell me the process? They didn't want to tell me the process because they knew that I was going to analyze every step of it and go, okay, out of the 20 steps, why do we have to have step 12, 13, 5, and 6? And why do they have to take so long? You know, because they knew I was about to blow into it and go, why do we need that? This is the same thing with the immigration thing here is exactly. the, the normal person does not know you have to have a, you have to afford to be able to purchase a immigration lawyer to help you out. So the average person don't know. And I have a feeling if the American public knew exactly what it took for a person to become an immigrant, we would blow holes all in it. Congress would be crapping their pants, you know, and actually have to do some work. And, but they don't want that because they don't want us to know because People like Juan, Allen, the coach, and everybody else, the average citizen that's got common sense, would be throwing harpoons at it, going, why does this paper right here have to take 90 days when it's just a damn piece of paper? Why? That makes no sense to me. Why does it take uh, – why, why does it sit there and take something like, I don't know, maybe – you know, nine years to do this, it don't make any sense at all whatsoever. So that's my thought. So I asked, what's the one thing we could do to improve it? Now I'm going to ask this. Who does the responsibility lie upon? And everybody take about two minutes on this here. Who is going to fix it? That's the question because we haven't fixed it in 30 years. We know that. And Coach and I, we've talked about this several times. I throw the blame at Congress uh, directly because they're the ones who make laws. 
Uh, but who do you think can fix this? That's my question. I mean, Matthew McConaughey said he might run for governor. So is he the guy that's going to fix it? I don't know. So who who do you think? I'm going to start off with Alan Bate. Well, I'll start off with Juan here. Go ahead, Juan. Who do you think is going to fix Man, this? Uh, if if he was to run, I would say uh, uh, Abbott. Uh, he's got common sense, and I'm pretty sure he's, you know, being from a border straight, state and probably the, the state that's got more problems with uh, uh, illegals crossing the border. I'm pretty sure he would probably do something or, or probably uh, present uh, Congress with um, uh, some ideas to better the or to to make adjustments to the immigration policies and the requirements that are uh, need to be done so the process can get not only faster but more efficient and uh you know and it's um that way we can uh, uh you know make it better for the people that is coming uh the right way here and i i'm just uh, i think that uh, governor abbott and also DeSantis from florida i think they would make a great team man and i'm pretty sure that they would have a of course, also in Florida, there's, you know, the, all the Cubans that are there, man, they know what's going on. So uh, they know what it takes to, to be, to, to make that, that journey, that those 90 miles. And of course, they kind of, okay, y'all live in, in a communist country. I mean, we're going to help you a little bit, you know, and that's good. I'm, I'm, but also, they also sent guys that were bad. They sent them back and said, yeah, you're Cuban, but you got to go. Uh, but, yeah, I think those two guys, but uh, honestly, Governor Abbott would do a great job, and I think he would do it. So, so yeah. Alan, who do, who do you think who, – who is a person or who is the entity you think has a responsibility or can fix this problem? You know, and, 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 oh, oh, and you can't use Nolan Ryan. So, go oh, ahead. Damn. That was my first answer. <laughs> him and Roger Spalback, they fixed yeah, it. <laughs> I agree. But uh, you know what? I, I don't know if I can name a person that can fix it. Who's to blame? Everybody that's been in office since before I was born, that's who's to blame. And it, it, But I think it's going to really take, I'm not going to say Trump, but it's going to take somebody kind of like Trump, one that don't really care about politics, one that wants to do what the Constitution says and don't care who he pisses off to do it. It's going to be somebody like that because it can't be anybody that's worried about their political career because he's damned if he do, damned if he don't. So it's got to be somebody that says, you know what, if I'm only in office one term, oh, well, but I'm going to make this one term count. And for these four years, I'm going to get it fixed. And after that, if they mess it up, they, they can't blame me because I fixed it my during my during my tenure. What do you think, Coach? Well, one of the disappointments of the Trump administration for me is he did have a big push to fix immigration. But what he didn't do is get Congress, which is ultimately responsible and ultimately the one that can give funds to get on his side. When we actually had the majority, it, it really didn't get pushed. So what it's going to take for me is it's going to take a conservative southern governor that says, I want to be elected to fix this issue. But at the same time, vet, they're going to have to have a House of Representatives and a Congress that are also conservative to get the money for it because you can have a great idea and you can be a great president Trump push for the border to get up, get, get controlled. But if you don't have the funding for it, it's not going to happen. 
And that's the problem that we had. Only one time did we have that where it was all in there and we couldn't get Obamacare knocked down and we couldn't get a border done. So I'm still frustrated on that because we actually could have got it done if we wanted to. Second part of it is if you look at the way the court system is going lately, even with that majority that we have with the executive branch and the legislative branch, both being say conservative or pro border judicial system now is swaying more to a side of the liberal wing, except for the Supreme court at this time. But most of those courts are knocking down things that put pressure on the Congress and the president say, Hey, let's do it. Because when you take polls across the country, 60% of this country wants a border. They want it to be fixed. So, Coach, I, I, I firmly believe that we can have whatever president we want to have, but unless Congress can can get along and figure it out, because they have to make the bill and they have to figure it out. And we have not had that in 40 years for them to do that. Uh, and I've talked to this political suicide for some of them, or it's a carrot to the president or, you know, and all those other things. And uh, But my God, it sure would do our country justice. And... And I believe Congress looks at immigration like this. They look at immigration as it's important when one of my constituents are griping to me about it. But when they're not, it's like that soldier in Afghanistan. They're not in my damn district. I don't care. Uh, they're outside of my district at the time unless yeah. they, they they die. You're so you're so true. I mean, that's that's the truth. That's that's the truth right there. And it comes back to the very beginning of our country's history. When the great George Washington was leaving office, he said, look, man, the death of this country, the two things that concern me the most. And to this day, he is still ringing true is foreign debt and political parties, because when your political party is more than your country, then your country has a problem. And we have a huge problem in our country right now because depending on which party you're that's in, right. that's how you vote and that's what you believe in. You don't believe in the country first, you believe in the party first. And I don't see it. It's, it's sad to say, but I don't see anything that's going to change that in any time in the near future. Coach, I 100% agree. And I'll, I'll just give one example. Let me, I can think of five things that the Speaker of the House is, is more important in immigration right now her party, her getting her hair done in San Francisco, her making sure her dentures don't fall out when she talks, her kneeling down as an opportune time for her photo op, her hugging Chuck Schumer as much as she can. And then I can list about 20 other things that's more important to her than immigration, truly is. And that's not me being funny. It's just me. I'm just stating the obvious. It is not important to her. And she comes from a state that immigration is huge but she don't give a rat's ass about it or she would have done. So well, the difference it. of the two parts, just remember two years ago when we're having all these people push into the border in these caravans, the Democrats were talking about the great Trump crisis that's going on. Those numbers haven't gone down and there's not the word crisis being used on MSNBC, CNN, or any Congressman that's a Democrat. Well, and coach, actually the numbers are higher than they've been in 20 years and they're bringing a pandemic across the border and we ain't done shit because it's not important to us because even our vice president who we appointed to go be the czars hasn't been to the border. She's been to El Paso on an airstrip in a democratic, heavily commuted area. And she didn't even go to the border. And the president has not been down there yet. I don't believe. And uh, I don't even think no. he can even spell the word immigration. 
So it's not important. Vice President Harris. No, Vice President Harris has been to own the border restaurant more than she's ever been to our damn border. <laughs> that is true. So, hey, I think we had a good conversation tonight, and uh, it was great to hear Juan's story. It was great to see the reliever come in and save us again. Man, he threw the save. And, Coach, he told me flat out, you got to make him some reliever music. So, like, if we get him on, like, within an hour notice, then we have to play that music or some shit. Remember, so, uh, what was the picture? What was the picture for the Braves? That was the guy they always play the rock and roll music coming in to the Braves. The wild thing. And he had to was look. Wild- and, yeah. Oh. We're going to have to do the wild thing for Allen or something. Yeah, yeah. So uh, he's my Charlie Sheen, baby. Yeah, the wild thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that'd be good. That'd be good. Hey, so this has been good because this is our 50th episode. And what we ask is, is it'll be on for a few oh. more minutes. And, and then we're going to throw it over. Can I say tomorrow. something? Go ahead, coach. I want to say something to make y'all feel good. It's the 50th episode and I'm 50 years old. I don't know how old y'all's ass is, but it's older than 50. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. hey I'm proud to say you. I'm 53, man. you the old dog in the room. Got all my hair, just a little bit of gray. So Cheers. Yeah, what's up with that, Alan? Hey, hey, Juan, you're 53. You're the old dog. Yeah, Alan and I are in our prime. I don't know what your yeah. problems are. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's all that good army living. Yes, yes. That's why I'm drinking two Dr. Peppers tonight. They're healthy for me. <laughs> and I believe God will stop help me Put that stock in. <laughs> so I think it's time for us to say goodbye tonight. And uh, But we need people to share us because we got a good movement going on. They got a lot of people asking about us. But we need to get some more viewership out there. So I'm just going to close it out. It's great to have you, Juan. Great to have you, Alan. Thank you. From the coach. Yes, sir. Thank you. Yes, sir. And to the vets. It is time to stay. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. Stay tuned.